Welcome to Dr. Jeffrey Ross, Looking Good and Feeling Great podcast, live from Las Vegas, with his co-host, Daryl Craig Harris. Hi folks, Dr. Jeffrey Roth here, your board-certified plastic surgeon in Las Vegas, Nevada, and we are at it again. Another episode here, who would have thunk it? Who would have thunk it, right? We were just talking about 2024. It's, I remember being a kid way back when in the 80s, thinking how long that was going to be from a for being such a, a youngster. Right? For, forever ago. So, I know. Yeah, yeah, I remember, you know, in, uh, you know, reading 1984, right? As science exactly. fiction, and now it's in the past, and, uh, and here we are. So, yeah. yeah. So we were talking earlier about new approaches and new ways of looking at different procedures and all, all different kinds of things. And one of the big things, actually, is pain management has come a long way. A tremendously long way. And, and again, some of the theme that we've been talking about a little bit uh, this season is, is we've been at it 20 years uh, here in Las Vegas. And some things have really changed the past 20 years. One of them is, to your point is pain management. And there's been a whole series and a whole evolution of pain management and what do you do and, and all that uh, all that stuff. One of the things that we use more and more now um, over the past 20 years that we learned is anti-spasm medicines. With the anti-spasm medicines, it's really nice for your breast surgeries when you go underneath a muscle. I use it for uh, tummy tuck surgeries as well because if I can keep people out of spasm, I can keep them out of pain. And so people typically use less pain medicine, less narcotics, et cetera, et cetera. Again, keep them out of spasm, keep them out of pain. And so most folks like to tolerate the anti-spasm medicine more than the pain medicine, the narcotics, et cetera, et cetera, as far as uh, that goes. So that's one thing. And there's been a big evolution of pain medicine narcotic-wise as well, where we gave narcotics and then we had the PCAs, where if you were in the hospital, you can go ahead and administer your own morphine, right. et cetera. And then we have the whole thing that pain was the fifth vital sign and give pain, give pain, give pain medicine. Uh, and then to, we realize, hey, that's not really a good idea. Yeah, it can and cause then, bigger other, then, other oh, issues. Right, it's so constipation, <laughs> yeah. all that stuff and, and all that. And then we, there's now a big thing afoot to go ahead and take that back. And what they found with all of that is basically, and the AMA has this uh, study, is basically doctors prescribe 44% less pain medicine, but the amount of overdoses still went up. Oh, interesting. So it wasn't the docs uh, in as much as folks who have absolute legitimate issues and problems and everything else were seeking and getting those drugs elsewhere. So, But having said all of that, now with the new pain modalities, things are much, much better and we don't have to go ahead and rely on the narcotics quite as much. To that is uh, there's lots of more local medicine uh, being used. Uh, for me and my breast dogs, I always go ahead and put in this uh, medicine, which is a numbing medicine, and it usually lasts for about 18 hours. And so people have less pain that way, as right. well as, uh, again, the uh, muscle relaxers, which I think is really helpful. One of the things was really a game changer for me, and you and I were talking about this, you know, what's happened in the last 20 years, is uh, basically the management of big spaces. For example, tummy tucks, right? So tummy tucks, big incision, you put the rectus muscles together, et cetera, et cetera. So again, one is, what I like is the muscle relaxers because now I've taken out a spasm of the, uh, the rectus muscles. And then two, what we used to do is, is they would have these uh, pain balls, right? And it was the on cue pain pump. And there was, there was a few different pain pumps. And you have this reservoir and you would fill it full of numbing medicine, right? Half percent marcaine, whatever you like. And then they'd have these two little catheters and you put the catheters in just like you put the drains in. And it would go ahead and drizzle out for the first three days. This just numbing, to help initial numbing medicine, yeah. which was great. And so for three days, people got numbing medicine. And so it really cut down on their narcotic use. 
Now we've gone a step further, at least in my hands, some folks still use the paintball, which is great, but there's this stuff called Expril. And so what Expril is, is you go ahead and you put that half percent Marcaine, whatever you like, and it's in this emulsion, it's a lipid emulsion, and that keeps everything around for three days. Some people use five days, whatever. So, but for us, uh, 300 cc's last for about three days, and I do it in a block. And right. so people now don't have something else sticking out of them, but also have that medicine hanging out in there. And there are more and more anesthesiologists who work with plastic surgeons, and they're doing a great job of different field blocks or different blocks. And we really started this in hand surgery that you can go ahead and numb up the hand and basically have awake surgery, but still be completely numb, right. uh, et cetera. And so whether you're doing an axillary block or, or more peripheral block, and so basically things are numb, patients don't feel pain, you don't have to necessarily give them a whole bunch of narcotics. Yeah, it's just less traumatic in general. Yes. And so the uh, anesthesia guys and gals have really been helping the plastic surgeons and general surgeons and OBGYN surgeons with, and they um, also the orthopedic surgeons, obviously with extremities and such. Yep. And so that has really had a wholesale change over the last 20 years is acknowledgement of pain, acknowledgement of how we want to manage that, what tools we want to use in our toolbox. Mm. And then also thinking out of the box of, okay, well, how can we, you know, stop a pain cycle before it starts? Yeah. And how can we be least invasive with uh, anesthesia? So do we have to go ahead and um, and have everybody under general, or can we do more stuff locally? Now, again, I'm a little bit more uh, old school in as much as most of my patients will go to the operating room and I'll uh, have the anesthesia person there, et cetera, et cetera, and do all that. And again, that really, for me, is kind of comfort for the patient as well as uh, et cetera. But again, everybody's a little bit different. Some folks right. will go ahead and do different procedures on the local where I would go to the operating room under general. And again, that's fine. It's yeah. just a matter of the patient, what their goals are, and safety. And so yeah. that's kind of where I am. So when you're evaluating patients for those kinds of surgeries, are you kind of, you're evaluating them not only for the surgery, but also their personality, how you think they're going to react? Of, of course. All so that, the whole a, picture, right? You know, there, there's banted about this holistic approach mm -hmm. of, and, you know, holistic approach of plastic surgery and some people snicker at But having said that is, is I've, been trained, unfortunately, to really go ahead and take a look at the entire patient in as much as that's why I sit down and talk to him for a while, which drives my uh, <laughs> office staff bananas. But I do ask questions like, okay, yeah. so who's going to be taking care of you when you get home? Right. Okay? It's important. Especially yeah. if you're out of town. And Las Vegas sometimes can be a transient town and, and um, you don't have mom there, if you yeah. don't have grandma there or whatever. So, and then we get people from obviously out of the state and out of the country. And so you know, how long you plan staying here? Do we need to arrange for help if you're hanging out in a, a hotel room, et cetera? And all that's fine, but I, we yeah. actually try to ask those questions uh, to go ahead and see who's going to be taking care of you. You know, who do you have to take care of? Do you have little ones? Can somebody go ahead and help you with them, et cetera? And then we take a look at also even to the herbal supplements they take because they can go ahead and have a significant effect on bleeding, et cetera. Again, lifestyle habits, drinking, smoking, et cetera. Some people nowadays will say, oh, yeah, you know, I don't smoke anymore, doc. Okay, yeah, but I vape. Okay. So then we have to go ahead and have Which a sometimes discussion. sometimes is actually worse than it's, this. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's worse. So, so we have to have a discussion about that. So, right, right. So, so the answer is, is absolutely we want to go ahead and really take a holistic approach about not only just cutting and sewing and not just, which is, which is plenty, not just the goal and how to reach the goal, but okay, we talk about perioperative care before, which a lot of people don't think about so much, so explain, then during and then peri afterwards. Perioperative. So, so, so there's operative care where you're in the operating room, we're doing our thing, et cetera, et cetera, mm -hmm. so we're cutting our sewing, we're moving tissue around. And there's a perioperative, which is, is okay, 
beforehand, it, which is like how healthy the patient is. And for me, I used to go ahead and swing flaps and put fingers back on and do burns and all that kind of stuff. But for me now, it's 99.9% aesthetic surgery, right? And so with that, we have a luxury of time. Usually right. we can put people in... in they're yeah, you're best. not, you're not fo focused having to get this done right now. Right. So yeah. it's not a gunshot wound to the chest where you got to go now, Absolutely. right? So, okay. So having said that, so perioperative care, you can actually have the luxury of, okay, let's get everybody's you know ducks in a row. Let's get you nutritionally mm -hmm. healthy. Let's get you nutritionally sound. Let's go ahead. And if we can get to your uh, more of a desired goal, body weight, let's go ahead and uh, and do that. And so so that's kind of setting yourself up for success. And then also checking and seeing if there's any red flags. That's also, in my mind, perioperative yeah. care beforehand. Because right? you can avoid a lot of issues if you're just doing the, the proper... One would think. Yeah. So I, I, I like thinking that way, that you can go ahead and avoid stuff. And that's what I think, I think that board-certified plastic surgeons have is uh, they've had this experience. They've had more training. In well, that. they've had years of more training and experience, and they've seen and made mistakes. Yeah. And you go to morbidity mortality conference where you get up there and you talk about the mistakes you made, and then other guys and gals say, okay, I've done this and that, and don't do this again, and this is how I avoided it, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. And that's learning. We all get so complications, important. right? Yeah. And so yeah. I, I get them, and everybody gets them. And so, you know, how do you handle them? But more importantly, how can you avoid them in the first place? So, so that's pre-op, if you will. And again, for me, it's aesthetic surgery. It's got to be two things. It's got to be safe, okay? So the patient has to be safe, meaning they're in good health, et cetera. They're a good candidate. And I have to make it safe. I have to go to, a, in my opinion, go to a, a certified surgery center and set the things in motion so that things are sterile and safe and we have nurses and all that stuff. And then it has to be effective. I have to be able to go ahead and tell the patient, hey... We're going to the operating room, and I'm going to go ahead and make this better, and I think you're going to like it. Because okay. if it's not safe or effective, it ain't worth going to the operating room. For right, them. and they're so. making a significant investment. Oh, 100%. It's not just financially, of course, but time and effort and yep. energy and discomfort and all of that. And, and so, so yeah, it's, it's, it basically is, is you make you know, good-looking people really not look good for a while to make them look better at the end, right? right? And yep. so- that's the way that that kind of goes. And, and, the, and, the, and the middle sometimes can be a little bit rough. And I tell folks, I said, look, you're going to go ahead and get beat up and everything else. You're not going to look great for, you know, for a little while. Some folks, unfortunately, think that they can get surgery on you know, Friday and then go back to work on, you know, Monday. Uh, and yeah. you're like, hang on. You know, and I, I wish that was true. Because you want to protect the results. Right. And yeah. I wish I had a magic wand. And they're working <laughs> yeah. uh, on that with rate of frequency and all that, but they haven't gotten to that yet. But having said all that is to, to go ahead and know or have the patient know because they haven't played this game before. I've played this game thousands of times. But they haven't played the recovery game. Some have, but most haven't. Of, okay, for this particular operation, what's in it for me at uh, three days and three months and and, and, right. and and all of that? And give them the realistic layout, how that's going to go. A hundred percent. So because the worst thing is is people take you know PTO or the time off and they're not ready to go back or – Something happens and they're really, really not ready to go back or they have a complication. And that really kind of, you know, messes up the whole program. Sure. So the whole idea for perioperative care also post-op is, again, who's looking at you afterwards? Who's going to help you corral the kids? Who's going to go ahead and make dinner? Can you, you know, get to the appointment? Who's going to drive you to the appointment on day and three and day seven? And so, so you got to have some forethought because a lot of people may not know that that's what that entails. But we do try to sit down and go, okay. This is what we're looking at, blah, blah, blah. You're going to be coming back and seeing me a lot. My patients get sick of me because I see them a lot, but it's important. Yeah, and something that's, that's something important with your practice is you're very hands-on. 
I mean, you have patient coordinator, office manager, but you're very involved in all that. Right. Yeah. To a fault. Again, the consultants come in and, and say, <laughs> I'm not efficient. And but that's, that's and, one of the things that's great about your practice. Right. Though, and, and, the, and they're right. Yeah. I mean, yeah, efficiency is not. <laughs> yeah. So, but having said that, yeah. Now with me, again, it, because I'm old school and I'm a dinosaur and my wife reminds me of this often, is basically, <laughs> for example, facelifts. So with me, you come in and we decide to do a facelift. We do the facelift, et cetera, et cetera. So two things with me with facelifts. One is, is that's the only case I'll do that day. So if you come in with me for a facelift, know that I'm not doing, you know, two breast dogs and a tummy tuck and, oh, let's do a facelift, right? Okay. So no, 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 I'm around the facial nerve. Ah, so that's all I'm doing that day. And sometimes I'll do face and eyes. Okay, fine. But, and then I'll call you that night. And my typical MO is I'll, I'll call them at night, you know, depending on circumstances. And then I will go ahead and see them the next day. So if you're in Clark County. And sometimes you make house calls. I, well, that's, that's, that's what I do is, yeah. is I'll go and see them the next day at their house. I still right. make a house call uh, post-op uh, day one uh, facial uh, surgery, uh, facelifts, necklifts. And uh, Clark County is big, uh, by the way. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I looked it up. It's as big as New Jersey. It's as big as Israel. Uh, it's as big as <laughs> Connecticut, Rhode Island, yeah. Delaware combined. And so, yeah. And I actually had a... A talk with uh, then Sheriff Lombardo, now Governor Lombardo, about that because he was the sheriff for all of Clark County, and he says, "Oh yeah, you don't have to tell me." Yeah. You know, it's uh, <laughs> and just, people people don't. I've got, realize I've that. got yeah. you know, I have, yeah, I've, I've cops, you know, in two hundred, you know, uh, a mile swath. Uh, yeah. It seems like so. Yeah, so so again, a little bit old school. That's kind of how I was trained. But having said that, is um, I, I think that part of perioperative care. Works and then of course I see them on day three and day seven and right. you know I annoy them. Uh, yeah, uh, a the lot. face. I mean that's the thing because the face is so that's who we are. So that's a set particularly important. Right. I mean, so, every every procedure is important, but that's a particularly important. One. Yeah. So yeah. So yeah. So and, and we take every procedure seriously. And I learned that a long time ago. If you have a sharp pointy object in your hand, you better be taking stuff seriously. Right. Okay. So whether that's people make light of uh, Botox, of fillers, of uh, any any myriad sorts of things. And the patient is trusting you and you should come with a good knowledge base and some experience and a plan of, you know, what you want to do, how you're going to get there. And again, perioperative, even perioperative care for Botox. I know it sounds silly, but yeah. basically is, is that's why I talk to them about, oh, okay, you're on aspirin. Okay. So you're on fish oil, you know, you're on X, Y, and Z mm -hmm. that may give us more bruising. And again, so the patient, I think, needs to know that or wants to know that as right. well, because sometimes, again, they first timers they don't realize that that may affect you know some of the uh, some of the outcomes. So so yeah, so again, sharp pointy object, and again, things can go sideways, things can make left turns, and again, I like to think that board certified plastic surgeons are equipped to go ahead, hopefully handle those sorts of things, and again, try perioperatively again to identify them before uh, they can you know they start. And kind of you know, talking about Botox, injectables in general, and we had been talking about in the last episode about new approaches to plastic surgery, new approaches to aesthetic medicine, and that, uh, the injectable aspect of it is really, I mean, when did that really come about? When did they start using Botox? It's been a little while, but... Sure. So, so yeah. So, basically, again, we talk about 20-year evolution, right? So, when it, Botox very first came out, it was really interesting, and it was uh, ophthalmology for strabismus or you know spasm, spasm and right. then facial spasm etc cetera, etc cetera. and then from there it came into and again about 20 years ago they noticed that oh by the way these folks that are getting treated for facial spasm and such 
they have less lines and wrinkles. Right. And so again, off-label, some of these folks were, uh, and by off-label, I mean not uh, specifically not FDA yeah. approved yeah. for this purpose. So, so off-label, they were going ahead and starting to inject, uh, again, starting around the eye, uh, the abicularis oculi, and noticed that people would have uh, less wrinkles there. And so then Allergan, who was a big in the ophthalmologic world, mm-hmm. right, went ahead and said, oh, well, hey, there's, this might be a consumer use for this. It might be a cosmetic use for this. And so then they petitioned the FDA, et cetera, et cetera. And after years and millions right. of dollars, because that's what you do when you go through FDA. Because Botox uh, got had quite a long track record. That, that's yeah. that's oh, no, something no, it's, it's important a, to, to point out. Yeah. So no, it's, it's, it's been around for, uh, for a while. And so, and then, so about, uh, about 20, I think 2003, uh, 2002, Somebody will correct me. Is is it got approved by the FDA for cosmetic use mm-hmm. and the on-label use for Botox is between the eyes, the forehead, and the crow's feet. And it's the most popular aesthetic treatment out mm-hmm. there worldwide, with yep. millions and millions of uh, of people getting it. And by Botox, it's kind of like Xerox or Kleenex, right? It's 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 kind of. <laughs> There's also Dysport, there's ZMN, these yeah, there's neuro, different, neuro, there's different yeah. so neuromod- yeah. neuromodulators, and more and more are coming out uh, and all that. And mm-hmm. so okay. So the neuromodulators, now people are get more and more creative with that. And that's good to a point. But again, you got to know the anatomy, et cetera. So, right. so again, on-label FDA use between the eyes, forehead, crow's feet. Not on-label use, but commonly uh, used is the depressor angularis, which is right here, which uh, you have, if you have a little bit of corner, smile. yeah, you have the corners of the mouth that kind of come down a little bit. Go ahead and put a little bit in the DAO to get the corners to, to come up uh, a little bit. I use it on my wife. Hi, honey, if you're listening. So uh, <laughs> I'll never tell. So uh, yes. So because we always want to make her smile and happy, right? Right. So uh, absolutely. Uh, and then uh, sometimes in the uh, neck, some of the neck bands, you can go ahead and put a little bit of uh, Botox in there. Mm-hmm. Some folks also use them to kind of lift uh, the lip a little bit as well. And so you can go ahead and put Botox in those particular areas. Now, getting back to the therapeutic side of Botox is some folks, we've had maybe two or three dozen folks over 20 years that said, hey, doc, my migraines, my headaches went away with uh, cosmetic Botox. So now there's a couple dozen ways to go ahead and get a headache. One of them is is if you're always scrunching, et cetera, and you have a muscle skeletal headache. So yes, that can be helpful. But if you're looking, quote unquote, Botox for headaches, typically that's done by neurologists that go ahead and put it in different areas. So that's a little bit different. Because even though it's a safe medication, it has to be administered properly. Yeah, correctly. Obviously. Right. So and again, there's certain anatomies that you have to know. For example is uh, in the mid-pupillary line, if you go ahead and you look at the pupil and you go straight up, right? So a centimeter uh, above and then a centimeter to one side and a centimeter to the other side, that area there, that's a no-fly zone. You don't want to go ahead and put any Botox or any neuromodulator there. Reason why is because there's also a little muscle, the levator palpebrae, that hangs out there. And the levator palpebrae is like a hook. And basically that hook is, is where the, your eyelid crease is. That's the one that that opens up the eyelid. So if you get Botox into that particular muscle, the eyelid will droop down a little bit. You look like a stroke victim. That's not a good look for anybody to kind of rock. And yes, there's medicines you can put in that kind of helps and everything else. But again, again, to the point is, is, okay, that's a no-fly zone. I know that I don't want to put medicine there for fear of getting it into that particular muscle and getting that particular result. Right. Yeah. yeah. And so and you have a an, an injector at your office, but you often do your your right. own. So so right. I inject, yes, we've had injectors in the office, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm crazy about 
screening these folks, et cetera, yeah. uh, et cetera, as well. So yeah, so they've as you uh, should we've be. Had, yeah, right, of course, <laughs> no. So and and me, it's it's it's, it's tough because it's tough for me to uh, relinquish. To, yeah, to to do yeah. that, I'm kind of a control guy. So uh, yeah, so I mean, all the time in the operating room, yeah, you want to control as many variables as you can. Of course, so, yeah. yeah. So, um, and speaking of injectables, so we were talking a little bit about weight loss because there's some really popular medications. There's different versions of these medications that are injectable by the patient, and you're actually going to likely going to start offering that in your practice. Yeah, it's it's interesting. We we're, we're talking about uh, the different ones which were brought on the market to treat diabetes, yeah. and basically. Which, which is great. I guess most uh, most people would be familiar with those Zembic is probably the most right. Popular. So this is your brand, again your brand names, your clear your Xerox, your Kleenex, that kind of. Thing. So yeah, there's there and there's more and more of them coming out. Mm-hmm. So and they're spectacular drugs again for the correct intended purpose, etc. Right. Sure. And there's always like any drug, there's downsides to them. Right. So the ones to back up a second, there's always been kind of shots that try to melt fat. Right. And so we went through. There was a series there that. People would come in and get you know their fat uh, injected, and sometimes it would work, and sometimes it wouldn't, et cetera, et cetera. Also, Allergan has a similar shot now, which is on label used for you know your double chin, et cetera, right. uh, which can which can be effective, et cetera. And again, downside is sometimes you get swelling, et cetera. So again, any medicine is going to have an upside and a downside. Okay. To your point, there's the ones that are coming out now, which some folks have lost significant amounts of weight with. And like anything else, the downsides are uh, decreased gastric emptying, which is a lot of why it works is Mm -hmm. because, gosh, I'm really full and people don't eat so much. So now the anesthesia guys don't like and gals don't like it because they don't like anything in the stomach because they don't want Mm -hmm. you guys, anybody going under anesthesia to throw up, it winds up their lungs, big fat mess. And so people kind of don't you know, don't like that. And yeah. then also you got to watch blood sugar. You get, there's a few things you got to watch. Yeah, you really have to be monitored. Yeah, with the, yeah. which which is which, sort of thing. So you can't really get it off of the like anything else. You don't want to get stuff off the internet. You want whether it's whether it's you know t- testosterone, whether it's uh, growth hormone, whether it's uh, what any of those sorts of things. Yeah. You want to be monitored by a physician, and you want somebody looking at this. You don't want right. a, a DYI coming off the internet, probably not where you want to be. Yeah, because a lot of that, a lot of those products have been heavily promoted on social media, sure, and, and online pharmacies and this kind of thing. Which I mean, they ha- those have their place, but certain medications you really have to be monitored. Sure. So, yeah. and again, everybody has like a different program, right? So some folks. We'll go ahead and you come in and the, and they set you all up and then they go ahead and mail it to the house. Some people make you come in, get shots, and they all, everybody's got a different protocol, and that's fine. Right. The the main thing is is basically is like anything else. Take a look at the patient. Do you think it's safe? And then really kind of kind of go from there. Yeah. So and it should also again in a perfect world is also be part of um, kind of like, okay, so we're also going to exercise. We don't want to lose lean muscle mass mm-hmm. and that sort of thing. And we've gone round and round with that because in, in our world, we have folks come in and they may have a BMI of, let's say, 40, right? right. So, so Which B- is quite high. Which yeah. is high, right? Yeah. So it's high. So sometimes 35. We typically don't want to operate on somebody that has a BMI over 30 because the literature shows that those folks tend to have higher complication rates, wounds sure. fall apart, et cetera, et cetera. So there's this segment of the population that will go ahead and diet and exercise and get down to that window, and then you can proceed. There's some where it's just really difficult for Mm. a variety of reasons to get to that. And so this may be, and we talked about this a lot in the office, Mm. a place where folks can use this to get down to where they want to get down to and then proceed. Another tool in the toolbox. Another tool in the toolbox, right. 
unlike anything else, hopefully you, you use the tool properly and you know for the right outcome. And we see this uh, even our liposuction patients. Folks come in, they get their liposuction done, and then they look better in a leotard, and then they go to Zumba class. Uh, they'll go ahead and make that lifestyle change. Right. And they come back. Because they've really made the commitment. Yeah. And then then they come back in a year and uh, they look terrific. And so those are the really success stories is basically you're able to go ahead and kind of give them a leg up on stuff that they want to do. And now that they're committed to it and then they see that things look different. You know, we always always like to see that, right? We like going to the gym like a week and go, hey, look at that. So, and it, it, but basically, it takes it takes a while. Yeah. And so, like anything else, you want to go ahead and see results. You want to go ahead and have that feedback of, "Hey, I made this commitment, and I'm looking better, and I've dropped a size, or I like, you know, going shopping uh, for stuff." And sure. I hear that from especially women yeah, all the you time. To, you want to feel more comfortable in your skin, in your, right? In yeah. your skin and your clothes and everything else like that. It's sure. not, you know, a chore going and trying to find something, et cetera. So right. things look different. So as far as that goes, so there, again, to the modalities that weren't out there when I started, mm-hmm. to the modalities that we have now in 20 years, things are constantly changing. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I like to think that one really wants to constantly read and be up to date and to go to um, the national meetings, et cetera, et cetera. And talk to I have this cadre of uh, guys and gals that we, it's a little geeky, but we talk on the weekend and we send photos of patients back and forth with their yeah. permission and say, hey, what do you think I should do here? I'm thinking X. And then the right. guys say, oh, I've tried X, but try Y because that yeah. is a better... Uh, but I mean, better. that's how science really moves forward, right? You hope. So yeah. yeah. And so where that I think works best is when you get some you know smart guys and gals and me in a room or on Zoom now or whatever the case may be, and really kind of hash some of this stuff out. And that, mm-hmm. for me, is really kind of fun and cool and good for the patient all at the same yeah. time. What's your, what's, what would be your biggest advice to patients? If, if a friend comes to you and says, well, what should I look for in a plastic surgeon? Sure. Well, a, a That's couple, a big question. A couple things. Well, yeah. go to – a couple things is, is you know, if you're going to go to a plastic surgeon, you start by is he or she uh, board certified by the American Board of Plastic Surgery, right? right? That's really important. And they have that website and that's – you can look, look that up, okay? So so that's important because, again, is, is I think those folks have had the knowledge and training, uh, et cetera, to go ahead and do safe, good surgery. Okay. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of step one. And then you can go ahead and ask uh, folks like your primary care doctor, you know, friends and family, uh, folks that have had stuff done, uh, et cetera. And I think it's important to go ahead and see three or so consults because it's a big commitment and you're going to have to deal with the surgeon and the surgeon's office right. and, uh, and everything else. It's a big investment. Right. I mean, and, so, uh, and it's elective. The patient has the control. The patient gets to go ahead and interview and see who they like and don't like and who they click with and who they don't click yeah. with. And you, so. would you suggest them seeing more than one doctor? I do. I, I see it drives my office manager crazy when I see that, <laughs> say that. But I said, hey, yeah, I think you should see three different uh, folks and just kind of see what they say. And especially in plastic surgery, it can be kind of funny, not funny to the patient, but they may see three different plastic surgeons get three different answers. Right. And that's okay because, again, there may be more way, one, one way to skin a cat. Because in general surgery, there's really one way to take out a gallbladder, right? Yeah. So, but in plastic surgery, one of the questions that we get on rounds all the time in residency is, hey, give me five ways to close that wound. And you say, oh, all right, I would do this. All right, well, that didn't work. All right, well, then plan B is, oh, no, you already took out the blood supply. Darn yeah. it. So they want you to Be act, challenged. Uh, they want you to act like a chess match. I had this professor uh, that quoted his professor says, I don't want cooks, I want chefs. 
Right. Okay. And so, and when something's going good in the operating room, he would say, yeah. okay, now you're chefing. Okay. Yeah, you're the, you're the quarterback. Right. Right. So they <laughs> yeah. want, they want that creativity, but they want it to be based upon science and knowledge and experience and all that. So, so step one is a yeah, board certified plastic surgeon. Go ahead, take a look at their website, their befores and answers, before and afters, answers to questions that they may be posed on their website mm -hmm. or other uh, places. Do you, do you find that re re reviews are valuable as well? I think so, to a point. To a point. Okay, because right. most folks have really good reviews, et cetera, et cetera. Those that, that don't, you know, uh, you know, be careful. But again, you're going to, everybody has a couple of crappy patients or patients that things didn't go well. Okay. Yeah. And, 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 and yeah, you know, that's, yeah. that will happen. And the other thing too is, is less in plastic surgery, but more in what I've seen in internal medicine and such is it's, it's often not the doctor, it's the front office. Yeah, we talked about that. It's yeah. the, it's a front, oh, they didn't call me back. I didn't right. get my labs. I had to wait for four hours, blah, blah, blah. And that's all legit. Yeah. Okay? But note, it, note to other doctors, right. front, a front office counts. <laughs> I tell, I tell the young guys and gals coming out, I said, don't scrimp on the front office because yeah. Especially the gal that's answering, it's usually the gal, the guy that's answering the phone is, is, is because if they turn somebody off. They're the face of the practice. They know, you know? Well, and that number never shows up. You never know who called, unless they're your friends, who called and had a bad thing and hung up. That right. never, never appears on your Excel spreadsheet, right? Right. So you never know. And I've seen guys get, get pummeled uh, yeah. because they have, you know, somebody. So bad it's important to have the, the, the back end, but also the front. Yeah. yeah. And, and again, you know, I'm blessed to have the, the staff that I have. Uh, and uh, they've worked with me, most of them worked with me for a long, long time. So we really do try, in my experience, we really do try to have that experience be, well, how would you treat your family member? Yep. You know, uh, how would you want your mom treated? Customer service. It's, and we, it's customer service uh, in the ultimate customer service town, which is Las Vegas. Exactly. These people are working at the, the win, at the Bellagio, at the whatever. They know what customer service is supposed to look like. Yep. They may work at the front desk uh, at, again, those sorts of places. And that's a tough job. Yeah. And that's and, when, when you talk about concierge type of practices or medicine, like that's where that comes into play. Because you have people that are, you know, investing a significant amount of money for their aesthetic surgery, and they expect a certain service. That, sure, there's a certain that, level of service and dedication, right. et cetera, et cetera. So that's that's kind of expected. So again, as a patient coming in, I would also come in with reasonable expectations. So mm -hmm. again, your, your folks aren't made out of wood or clay; it would be easier, okay? <laughs> but they're made out of flesh and bone, and so again, sometimes the skin is stretchier than you, than you want it to be, or they're smokers, they've been out in the sun, or, or who knows what. So that may be part of it. Their general health may be part of it. The supplements are taking may be part of it. So again, it's all about really bringing your best self to the uh, doctor's office, and then also listening. And then also, I like to give this piece of advice, is to go ahead and bring somebody with you. Right. So, and if, uh, and bring some photos that you like, okay. Yeah. Homework that I often say is, oh, and everybody's got photos. That's a great point. Right. Yeah. Is, is this is kind of what I was looking for. This is what I don't like. Okay. As well. Cause some people come in with those and that's very helpful. We had one gal come in. She was a sweet gal, breast dog. And she was, wants to go from an A, she says, an A. And I said, what do you want to be? She says, she want to be. I'm like, okay, great. We're going to be. And so she said, go, go ahead and bring in some photos. So brought in Coco, right? Yeah. Ice T's <laughs> wife, who hasn't seen B since the third grade. And I'm like, what is this? And she says, well, I didn't think it was polite if I asked for a D. I'm like, no, no, you got to ask for what you right. want, right? Yeah. And again, you got to also be you know, realistic. I mean, there's some girls, especially in Vegas, that want that. Not a lot, thankfully, in my practice, but some of these girls will want 
the implant that's really high and really uh, prominent, and you can put a drink on top of it, right? Yeah. But then the gal comes in, well, I've had four kids, and I'm on you know methotrexate, yeah, and I've been smoking. For, I'm like, yeah. wait, wait, wait. So that's a whole different sort of situation sure. with the skin, and you might need a lift, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So again, come in with an open mind and really take a look and see, have those goals, and see if we can get from point A to point B and make that all happen. Yeah, that's important, and that's great information for our listeners, I think. You know, definitely be uh, be willing to see a few doctors, take your time, be patient, because it is an investment, after sure. all. Yeah. Well, not of resources and time and energy and effort mm-hmm. and recovery, and yeah, it's a, it's a deal. Yeah, absolutely. Um, please tell the audience how they can uh, get in contact with Sure. You. We're all over the place. Again, on the internet, we're at uh, www jjrothmd.com that's jjrothmd.com and then also social media wise uh, we have the Instagram we have Facebook we have uh, YouTube we're basically everywhere as far as uh, that goes goes. (laughs) and then of course podcasts which you're doing now you found us yay Uh, and so uh, do want to tell your friends subscribe uh, if you can and then also if you have topics that you want to hear, by all means, let us know. We love questions. And so we love answering that sort of thing. Yeah. You can send us questions on the website or on our social media pages, and we're happy to respond and cover topics that you're most interested in. Thanks for joining us, Dr. Roth. Absolutely. My pleasure. So thanks for having me. Always a fun time. Yes. Um, Have a great day and definitely like and subscribe. We appreciate it. Have a great day, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us. For further information, please visit the podcast website link for Dr. Jeffrey Roth. See you next time.